Hey creeps, I'm Taylor and this is TGI Crime Day. And welcome to TGI Crime Day. Really quick, if you are watching on YouTube, you can clearly see that there is not a video for this. If you are listening audio only, this is not going to affect you, obviously, because you're always audio only. But I'm having some kind of technical issue with my camera that's been extremely frustrating. Um, I'm trying to get that fixed, but I thought that rather than waiting another week to put out an episode, I wanted to just do an audio only episode and I will put a few pictures and things in here as we go through. Thanks for sticking with me. I have no idea what the deal is. I'm cursed. So here we are. What a great way to start spooky season. So as I said, welcome to TGI Crime Day spooky season. My favorite time of year is finally upon us and that means that for the next month and a half-ish, I am taking off the true crime hat and putting on the spooky season hat. We are talking all things ghosts, ghouls, haunted places, urban legends, and everything in between. If you have a suggestion for a spooky topic that you would like me to cover, even if you're watching this like way after spooky season 2023, please send me a DM on Instagram or leave a comment on YouTube. Today's episode is a really interesting one and I am so excited to tell you the tale of the one and only legally haunted house in the U.S., Did you know that there is a legally haunted house in the U.S.? Because I did not, and now I'm fascinated. So, let's go about 19 miles north of Manhattan, New York, to the village of Nyack. I wish that I could be, like, the ghostly version of Miss Frizzle, and we would all hop in a magic haunted school bus and pop off to New York together. Wouldn't that be great? But since we can't do that, let me paint you a little picture of Nyack. When I started looking at pictures of Nyack, the first thing that came to mind was, like, Gilmore Girls and practical magic. From what I saw, it's got that really welcoming vibe with this like beautiful main street full of local businesses and coffee shops, art galleries, and floral shops, things like that. There are plenty of places to go hiking, and it is on the west bank of the Hudson River, so kayaking and sailing are very popular. It's also located just a few miles from Sleepy Hollow, which kind of adds to that spooky fun kind of vibe. Many of the waterfront homes in Nyack were built in the late 1800s and have that gorgeous, kind of spooky, but beautiful Queen Anne or Victorian style vibe with steep roofs, turrets, and interesting asymmetrical architecture. Many of them have big open porches and are painted beautiful colors. The house we are talking about today is now known as the Ackley House. Located at one Levita place in Nyack, New York, the Ackley House stands with three stories right on the banks of the Hudson River. It has one of those gorgeous towers with the rounded roof that would make the perfect little reading nook. The back of the house faces the river and is surrounded by these big, massive, gorgeous trees. It's beautiful to look at, and it's kind of spooky in the best way. There's just something about that style of home that you just, you want it to be haunted so bad. This house is 4,600 square feet, has 18 rooms, including five bedrooms and five bathrooms. Oh, good. Okay, so no one has to share a bathroom. That's nice. Uh, It has a three-car garage, a sunroom, and a saltwater pool overlooking the river. In short, she's pricey. She's very fancy. This house was built in the late 1890s, and it's hard to nail down exactly who built it or who lived there originally, which seems weird to me. Don't you think we would have the history of it? A few sources said that it was used as both a single-family home as well as a boarding house for multiple people at some point. 
For almost a decade, around 1960, the house was vacant, which makes me suspicious, and I tend to lean toward the idea that maybe whatever spirit that eventually made themselves known to the Ackley family maybe scared off the owners and kept people from moving in for a while. Maybe? If we go for the crazy theory? Helen and George Ackley moved with their four children from a farm in Maryland to the house in Nyack in 1967. Helen said, quote, I saw our house for the first time on a hot July day in 1967. A bedraggled old Victorian, it had stood vacant for seven years. Its waist-high lawn clutched about a sturdy stone foundation. Its wood-shingled roof was awry. But as I followed the real estate agent and my husband, George, into the spacious hall, I knew I was home, end quote. One afternoon, while the family was moving in, a group of neighborhood kids stopped what looked like a very intense ball game so that they could approach the Ackleys. They asked Helen if they bought the house. She told them yes, and she told the kids that they could walk around inside before they moved all of their things in if they wanted to. Two of the kids hung back a little sheepishly while some of the others giggled, and one little girl told her, quote, They think there's ghosts in there. They're scared. Did you know you bought a haunted house? End quote. Yikes a bikes. It gives me the chills. It's so, like, horror movie perfect for some little girl to be like, hey lady, there's ghosts in there. I really wonder if this conversation had any influence on the first season of American Horror Story because do you remember those little freaky ginger twins that are there that are like, you're gonna die in there. Remember? Anyways, it's very spooky. If you haven't seen American Horror Story, the first season, highly recommend. Anyway, Helen was probably like, Oh, these silly little neighborhood kids. And their stories because the house has been vacant, so they've made up all of these tales. But later that same day, her plumber, Bob, brought up the spooky happenings again. Helen described Bob as young, nearly six feet tall, and solidly built. One day, hot, obviously, plumber Bob was doing some work on the house, and he asked Helen if she would be there for a while because he was planning on leaving soon. She told him that she had to pick up her husband soon and asked if there was a problem with the plumbing that she needed to stay around for. Bob replied, quote, It's not that, Mrs. Ackley. I keep hearing footsteps on the stairs and walking around overhead. I must have run up and down those steps six times the other day, and I couldn't find anybody. I'm ready to go now, but I don't want to leave you here alone, end quote. Helen said that Bob seemed genuinely worried, but Helen is a badass and was like, Listen, thanks for the concern, but if I'm going to live in this house, I have to get used to being here alone. And if I understand correctly, George moved into the house first to start his job in New York, and then Helen and the kids stayed in Maryland for a while. So these conversations with the little neighborhood kids and with Bob, the plumber, these conversations happened on the first night that Helen was actually staying in the house. That night, as they got ready for bed, Helen told George about the spooky children and Bob's concerns, and George didn't give much input to the conversation. He was very quiet, giving a couple word answers. And as they climbed into bed, Helen realized that the hall light was still on outside of their room. She tiredly rolled out of bed, planning to go turn it off, but George stopped her and told her to leave it on. She asked him, since when do you sleep with the lights on? And he told her, quote, since the first night I moved in here and I don't want to discuss it. Good night. End quote. I'm sorry, the idea that he just turned his back, went straight to sleep, put the weird thing in a box, and just go to bed, and I would have laid there all night long thinking and thinking. Are you like that? Is your partner the one that can go to sleep after anything, or are you the one that can go to sleep after anything? I feel like there's one in each couple, okay? In a very fun and interesting article that Helen wrote for Reader's Digest in 1977, she said, quote, As I dropped off to sleep, I wondered what it was with these crazy men and this lovely old house. 
I got nothing but good vibes. So we lived with the footsteps, and I have found it reassuring to have such a vigilant patrolman on duty 24 hours a day. Anyway, all old houses creak, end quote. I told you, Helen was a badass, and I love her for being like, I get good vibes from these ghosts. I don't know what the big problem is with these men being so nervous. Icon. According to the Ackley family, they experienced a lot of different paranormal things over the 22 years that they lived in this home. They frequently heard footsteps, the hanging light over their dining room table would sway back and forth and then suddenly stop as if someone had reached out and stopped it. Their windows would unlock and open themselves. They had the kind of windows that swing out rather than slide open. And they also had French doors in the house that would swing open randomly. It seems like George didn't really have the easiest time coping with the ghostly activity. He eventually nailed the windows shut, while the rest of the family seemed to just accept it and get used to it. I am genuinely curious to know what George experienced while he was living in that house by himself. George traveled often for work, and on nights when he was out of town, Helen would stay up late reading. One night, she stood at one of the many windows in the house facing the Hudson River. She was enjoying the view of the foggy river through the trees when she suddenly felt a presence next to her. All the hairs on the left side of her body stood up as she slowly turned to look at what felt like someone standing very close to her. Of course, Helen couldn't see anyone, but she said there was definitely someone or something standing there. She tried her best to stay calm, and out loud, she said to this ghostly companion, quote, It's beautiful on the river, isn't it? As she said this, she felt much more calm and relaxed, and whatever the presence was, it didn't feel threatening. Helen was still spooked, and she shakily made her way across the room. As she turned away from the window, she felt the presence turn and follow her. Again, she spoke out loud to the empty room, quote, Thank you for sharing the view with me. I'm going to bed now. Good night. End quote. The Ackley's daughter, Cynthia, was 15 when they moved into the house, and she had a few of her own ghostly experiences. Whenever Cynthia saw the French doors swing open, she would just get up, quietly shut them, and go on with whatever she was doing. After a while, Helen and George noticed that Cynthia was getting up much earlier than the rest of the family and was already dressed and ready for school before her parents even woke up for the day. When Helen asked her about this, she told her, quote, It's spooky, mother. Every morning at exactly the same time, my bed starts shaking, and if I don't get up right away, the bed shakes even harder, end quote. Much like her mom, Cynthia wasn't afraid of this invisible wake-up caller, but she was hoping to sleep in while she was out of school during the Christmas holidays, and Helen and Cynthia came up with the idea to tell the spirits out loud that she had a couple of weeks off from school and wouldn't need a bed-shaking alarm each morning. During the Christmas break, her bed stayed still and she slept in every morning. When it was back to school, the bed started shaking again. Cynthia also said that she saw a shadow person in her room a handful of times. She thought it was a woman who wore a hooded cloak. She was thin and of medium height. This wasn't the only ghost residing in the Ackley house. One day while Helen was painting the living room, she felt someone watching her while she stood on a ladder. She knew George was at work and the kids were out, but she could just feel eyes on the back of her head. She carefully turned around on the ladder and spoke again out loud to the seemingly empty room. Helen told whoever was watching her that she hoped that they liked the paint color and that the house must have been so lovely when it was first built. She went back to painting and still felt those eyes on her. Eventually, she took a peek back over her shoulder and saw a full-body apparition floating in midair near the fireplace. She said, quote, What did he look like? He was the most cheerful and solid-looking little person I've ever seen. A cap of white hair framed his round, apple-cheeked face, and there were piercing blue eyes under thick white eyebrows. 
His light blue suit was immaculate. The cuffs of the short unbuttoned jacket turned back over ruffles at his wrists. A white ruffled stock showed at his throat, below his breeches cut to his kneecaps, and he wore white hose and shiny black pumps with buckles, end quote. He's slaying, obviously. Helen never saw this spirit again, but she felt his presence and said that she was proud to have met him. The Ackleys had many friends and family who would visit them from Maryland, and these people sometimes had little experiences with the slamming doors or the rogue windows, but it wasn't until 1974 that someone outside the immediate family saw a spirit. Helen's cousin Alfred and his wife Ingrid were visiting the house, and over breakfast one morning, Ingrid told them that she saw someone moving around the house just before dawn. A silhouette moved past the French doors in the guest room. These ghosties freaking love a French door moment in this house. Ingrid said that this figure was a man wearing a powdered wig and a long, revolutionary-style military jacket. The figure walked toward the bed and sat down, facing away from Ingrid. She said she definitely felt the bed sink down as if someone were sitting there. The figure picked up a book, flipped through a few pages, closed the book, and when he stood up, she felt the bed move again, and then he vanished. I gotta say, that is one of the spookiest ways that spirits show themselves to people. When people have that experience of someone sitting on the bed and you, like, feel that weight, something about that makes my skin crawl. I don't ever want to experience that particular type of haunting. As their kids grew up, moved out, went off to college, got married, and started their own families, Helen and George stayed in the home. Over the years, they had items disappear, such as a ham sandwich that George made himself for lunch one day. Helen and all of the kids insisted that they didn't take the sandwich. They all agreed it must have been a hungry ghost who swiped the delicacy. George never believed them. And again, it seems like George was determined to stay a skeptic, and I, I respect it. Like I said, items would sometimes disappear, but once in a while they would also find little gifts that they couldn't explain. A pair of silver tongs appeared when Cynthia got married, and then a small embossed golden baby ring when the Ackleys welcomed their first grandchild. These were items that they had never seen before and couldn't figure out how they made their way into the house. In the Reader's Digest article, Helen wrote, quote, We have come to savor these happenings. They give a sense of that continuity of the past with the present and with the future. These elusive spirits seem gracious, thoughtful, only occasionally frightening, and thoroughly entertaining. Now we wonder, if the time comes for us to move again, is there any way we can take our otherworldly friends with us? End quote. Eventually, once all of the kids had moved out, Helen and George were ready to move to a smaller home and decided to sell their beloved haunted house. Obviously, it had gained a reputation with the stories shared throughout the community and Helen's Reader's Digest article. They were very, like, loud and proud about these ghosts. However, it seems that the couple interested in buying the Ackley house weren't really in the know on the alleged spooky happenings. In 1989, the Ackleys listed the home with Richard Ellis of Ellis Realty. They listed the home for $800,000, which is about $1.9 million in 2023 money. Yowza. A young couple, Jeffrey and Patricia Stambovsky, jumped on the opportunity to buy this beautiful home. According to Richard, the real estate agent, and Helen... The couple was told in passing about the hauntings, and Richard said that Helen even refused to sign her end of the contract until he told them about her friendly ghosts. However, after the contracts were signed and the Stambovskis handed over a $32,000 down payment, they started hearing the rumors about the hauntings. Those same ginger twins from 25 years earlier showed up like, hey lady, did you know you bought a haunted house? Okay, just kidding, that didn't happen, but if this was a movie, that is exactly what would have happened and you know it. 
That's from my pretend screenplay about this house. Anyways, the Stampofskis were filled in about the ghosts and the legends that came along with buying a supposedly haunted house that was well known in the community. The Stampofskis were not as fond of the idea of living with ghosts that Helen was. They told the Ackleys that they wanted out of the sale and they wanted their down payment back. There was a lot of back and forth. And as I mentioned before, that Helen and the real estate agent Richard said that the Ackleys definitely did tell the Stambovskis about the ghosts, but the Stambovskis insisted that they didn't know anything. There's not any official documentation of these conversations, of course. So the Stambovskis filed a court action against the Ackleys who were, quote, fraudulently misrepresenting a material condition of the home, end quote i.e. not disclosing the undead roommates that they would inherit. However, something I find kind of funny is that Patricia and Jeffrey weren't upset because they were like, ooh, spooky, I'm not moving into a haunted house. They were upset because Jeffrey said that he did not believe in ghosts at all or any of the stories, but he did believe that outsiders who were believers would hurt the property value, to which I say, you must not have very cool friends, Jeffrey, because everyone knows a haunted house sells for way more to the right kind of buyer. The court initially dismissed the case on the fact that Helen can't prove that the house is haunted. Therefore, she didn't legally have anything to disclose. It's actually kind of messed up because New York has a law called the caveat emptor, which translates to buyer beware in Latin. This essentially means that it's the buyer's job to ask every question that they have concerns about and it's not the job of the seller to give information about the house. And if I'm understanding this correctly, this is just about physical aspects of the house. For example, if there is a giant hole in the roof and you don't bring it up, it's not the seller's job to bring it up or fix it before you buy the house. As long as they don't lie about it or try to cover it up or act like there's nothing wrong with the roof. Bottom line, the judge was like, sorry, ghouls in the attic are not going to get you out of this contract. But Jeffrey was like, think again, my friend. So they appealed the ruling and it moved up to the New York State Supreme Court. The judge in their case, Justice Rubin, disagreed with the first ruling. Along with two other judges, the majority rule was that the buyer beware thing wasn't relevant in this particular case because the issue wasn't physical, like the leaky roof example. That's a physical issue. While they don't have to disclose all physical issues with the house, they are expected to discuss things like crimes committed at the house or if there is a reputation that goes along with the property that could devalue the house. The Supreme Court wrote, quote, Having reported the quote-unquote ghost presence in both a national publication and the local press, defendant is stopped to deny their existence and, as a matter of law, the house is haunted, end quote. The Ackley House became the first and only legally haunted house in the U.S., and Helen seemed to just love that because she'd been saying as much all along. The Stambovskis did get out of their contract. Helen moved to Florida in 1990, and she said that she missed her ghosts, and it would have been nice to have some company around in her home. She said she invited them to come along, but they didn't seem to want to move to Florida. I hope someone gifted her a nice haunted doll or something like that, because Helen is the sweetest lady I have ever heard of. Also, once that ruling had been made, it gained the nickname of the Ghostbusters ruling, and the publicity actually did help the house sell really quickly to a different buyer. And again, I love that for Helen. Since Helen left the house, there haven't been any more reported hauntings, but a few people of note have owned this house. This includes director Adam Brooks, who co-wrote the screenplay for Practical Magic, which... Now that I'm thinking about it, I genuinely wonder if that house inspired the beautiful, beautiful home in the movie because it's absolutely that vibe. Singer Ingrid Michaelson also owned the house at one point, and then I believe it is currently owned by the singer Matisse Who. 
I am so sorry. I don't know how to pronounce his name. And I've listened like a million times to pronunciation guides. Matisse Yahoo, I think is how you say it. Anyways, lots of very cool and very creative people are drawn to this gorgeous house, including the lovely Helen Ackley. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you have ever lived in a haunted house, I am begging you to tell me everything. You can send your story to tgicrimeday at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your audio podcasts for more spooky season episodes. I'm hoping that I can get this camera thing figured out ASAP. Thank you for your patience. I appreciate you being here. And until next time, keep it super spooky. Bye.